My dear listeners, today we're going to talk about eating, eating. So, no, I'm not giving food and it's not, we're not changing the focus of this podcast or anything like that. We're going to talk about, about E-E-A-T. It's an acronym and the geniuses at Google could not come up with a better name. So they left it at E-E-A-T. E-E-A-T stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And it is a set of guidelines that helps them evaluate content and website rankings or, or you know, website quality um, for them to rank. So it's part of Google's search quality rater guidelines. And in case you didn't know, there is a published PDF that Google updates on a regular basis. And I'll drop the link to that in my show notes, and you could take a look at that. It's, it's quite a document, so don't get too excited. Um, it's, it's quite a document to navigate, that is. So anyway, so in that document, you will find a section that talks about experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And so instead of giving it a nice name, they just left it at EAT, E-E-A-T, which makes it really hard to talk about. Uh, it's easy to write about, but difficult to talk about because, you know, it's like we're going to talk about eating. So the concept of EEAT is based on the idea that users are more likely to trust information from sources that they perceive as being experienced, knowledgeable, and credible. And so they use that as a factor in determining the quality of websites and the content that is on that website. So anyway, this is an episode where I go over that, uh, go over the criteria, go over what each of those uh, parts of those acronyms means, and also talk a little bit about how you can, you know, get your uh, content to rank favorably using this criteria and how as a business you can generate content that will rank favorably when it comes to your search ranking. So it's a fun episode, even though it's a very difficult acronym to pronounce or easy to get confused. So let's get started and let's start eating. Welcome to the latest episode of Corner Your Market. I'm your host, Sailes Kimide. In this podcast, I talk about all things digital marketing, from website design and development to SEO and PPC, as well as paid advertising, email marketing, social media, and anything in between. If you're a small business owner, a marketing manager in a company, or an entrepreneur, this podcast is for you. So tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. You'll gain some practical insights, new strategies, tactics, and tools that will help you grow your business. To subscribe, go to cornerymarketpodcast.com and select the podcast app of your choice. Then you can hit subscribe within those apps. That again is cornerymarketpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to like and share our individual episodes. You can also leave a review in the app once you've listened to one of our episodes. Let's eat. Well, we're not really going to eat. And this is not the traditional eat. This is E-E-A-T. I don't know how I would pronounce that. E, right? English is not my first language. And English is very ter- terrifying sometimes for me. Um, but anyway, today we're going to talk about Google's eat. E-E-A-T. I don't know. I'll just call it eat. And as you're listening through, you'll know what it means. I don't know how else to treat it. There's two E's in there. Is that E or eat? I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about eat. Eat is an acronym, 
uh, E-E-A-T, and it stands for Experience, Expertise, Authoritativeness, and Trustworthiness. Complicated words, right? Uh, it was first introduced by Google in 2014 as part of their search quality rater guidelines. Believe it or not, there is a PDF out there that Google publishes, and it's called Google's Search Quality Rater Guidelines, and you should check it out. I'll put the link in it in my show notes. But anyway, it has all the factors that are, are considered useful for ranking your content, right? It's not the algorithm, but it's a guideline, right? And it could be very helpful. So, um, but it wasn't until December 2022 that Google added an extra E for experience in the acronym. So it added an experience to the acronym. Uh, this was to emphasize the importance of experience in addition to expertise. That's interesting. I mean, it doesn't apply to all fields, I suppose, but there are certain fields where expertise and experience are distinct. I still have to think about that a little bit, but I'm going to go with their guidelines for now because they're the boss and that's what this episode's about. So today I'm going to talk about the concept of EAT and I'm going to cover different things today. I'm going to talk about what is EAT? Is EAT going to guarantee rankings? How do you create content so it is viewed favorably favorably in the EAT guidelines or EAT criteria? And then how do businesses like you, yours take advantage of EAT? How do you conform to that? How do you make sure that you're in line with it? Because what they're saying is if a website is written by an expert in the field, Google is more likely to rank it. If a website contains citations to credible, credible sources, Google is more likely to rank it higher. If a website is easy to navigate, if it has new content, if it has a good reputation, it's going to rank it higher, right? So how is it finding that? I don't know. That's why they're geniuses. That's why I'm behind this microphone and not at Silicon Valley counting cash. So um, in this episode, I already went over that. So that's what we're going to talk about. So let's get started. What is EAT? I already gave you the acronym, right? Experience, Expertise authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. It's basically a set of factors that Google uses to assess the quality of content on websites. And websites with high EAT are more likely to rank higher in Google search results. So let's talk about the first E, experience. This basically refers to the level of experience and knowledge that the author or publisher has to the content and the subject matter. So I guess instead of just writing about Iceland, you could be an expert in Iceland, right? Because you've read all the books, you've watched all the videos, you have done everything to know about Iceland, but you've never been to Iceland, right? I suppose your phone has never done a local search for a brew pub in Iceland. So Google knows that you've never been there, right? So with that information, what that means is that you're an expert on Iceland, but you have no firsthand experience with Iceland. So that's going to be a knock against you. So you need to buy a plane ticket and go to Iceland. And I forget, the, the capital is kind of hard to pronounce. It starts with R. That I know. Uh, my wife and my kids had a layover in Iceland 
before COVID when they were going to Finland. And I just remember them telling me about it. I think they got off the airport and went here and there. But anyway, so I think that's the difference between experience and expertise. Obviously, the experience and expertise, the two E's, kind of go together and they may not be, you know, um, inter, you know, one may not apply to other ones, right? For, for instance, you might be a veterinary dentist and you have a lot of experience doing it and you also have a lot of expertise doing it, but I don't know how Google would know that you have experience doing it. I can understand maybe they're tracking your location, so you're always in the lab. And so based on that location, they can say that you have expertise as well as experience, right? So I'm assuming that's how they're using your Google Maps location data. Anyway, that's a hypothesis, folks. I don't know it for sure. I'm not trying to, you know, spread misinformation or anything like that. I'm using my best guess. So I'm giving that disclaimer. Don't report my podcast for misinformation to the authorities. There's no misinformation here. I am just giving you my thoughts. So experience, expertise, those are the two things, right? Um, I guess expertise is a little bit more complicated than that. So in their definition, uh, it's the ability of the author or publisher to communicate their knowledge in a clear and concise way. I guess authoritativeness is what I was talking about when, when I talked, gave you that example of the surgeon. Authoritativeness is refers to the credibility of the source of the content. So um, if you're a dentist, right, you need to make sure you list all of your credentials on your website so that Google can read it and know that you are a dentist or dental orthopedic surgeon or whatever it is that you are, right? Uh, and so this, this will be used in determining your reputation as an author or a publisher. Um, and then obviously they're coming more from an academic angle and it, and it works in the business realm as well, but citations, I guess if people are linking to your content, this is where link building, I guess, comes in. Uh, that's how they determine your authoritativeness, right? How much of an authority are you on this subject? Trustworthiness. Uh, this refers to the confidence that users can have in the accuracy and reliability of the content. This can be determined by factors such as the absence of any errors or misleading information and the use of transparent and unbiased language. I mean, in the, today's day and age, I'm not going to try to, you know, uh, poke holes here or be conspiracy theorist. But uh, looking at it from just a strict business perspective, I can see how this all works. But there could be other actors that might see it differently, if you get my drift. If not, just ignore what I just said and let's go on to the next thing. So basically, how let's make this practical for you, right? So there's a number of things that you can do to improve the EAT, EEAT of your website. Uh, so basically, you should write about topics that you know about, that you're an expert in. Don't try to write about things that you don't know about. Uh, write about your market, write about your product, write about your history, write about the things that you your product does and all the stuff that you really understand and all that kind of stuff. Just write about things like that. And then back up your claims, anything that you say with evidence and citations so that, you know, there's meat there and it's not just some blanket statement, you know, like I've seen blanket statements in the past. Email marketing is dead. That's a blanket statement. There is no supporting evidence. And there are plenty of citations, but no supporting evidence that email marketing is dead. 
But this guy that wrote that post many years ago got a lot of links and a lot of traffic because he said email marketing is dead. That's a claim with with very little evidence, maybe citations because it's a catchy headline, but and but who's linking to them, right? So anyway, uh, use clear and concise language in your content. Be transparent and unbiased. I think that goes to the trustworthiness, right? And then also get feedback from other experts in the field. I mean, I could see how this applies to different industries, but may not apply to other industries. If you're running a, let's say, home services business and you're trying to do SEO by blogging, I'm not exactly sure how you'd get feedback from other experts. It's not like the electrician is going to other electricians asking for feedback on their blog post, right? So, and then build relationships with other high quality websites. This is important. Um, get to know some high quality websites and see if you can get some links. You know, maybe they can cite, you know, talk about your content. Just do it genuinely, folks. There's no reason to, to do black hat. There's no reason to go around the rules. If you do the right thing over a long period of time, you're going to come out ahead. Believe me. Believe me. Trust me on that. I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen that happen. Okay, so is EEAT going to guarantee rankings? That's the holy grail. It's a guideline. So it's not going to guarantee rankings. It's not a guarantee of rankings. It's not even telling you if doing this is going to get you anywhere. It's just saying this is a factor that Google considers when ranking websites. So yes and no. I think I would say yes and no. I wouldn't say flat out no, because if you did the EAAT thing, you know, you'll, you'll do well, right? But there's a couple of things you need to consider, right? You could do all that stuff really well, but the content you produce also has to be very well optimized, right? It's got to have good keyword relevance. It's got to be tight. You got to be an expert in a very good and nice field, right? I mean, for you, it's good and nice, right? That's, I'm not saying there's good and nice. I'm just saying just be an expert in that field. Write good content, but that content piece shouldn't cover everything. It should cover one part, right? So that it's focused on one keyword, one concept, right? So if you're an AC expert, you don't have to talk about the coils and the, the all the different things that goes into it. I'm forgetting freons, all that stuff, maintenance schedule. You don't have to talk about all of it in one blog post. You're an AC expert. Today, you're just going to talk about coils. You're going to talk about coils. You're going to talk about everything you know about coils. And you're going to write only about coils. And that's it. Tomorrow, you're going to get up. You're going to write another blog post. And on that blog post, you're going to talk about the maintenance schedule for AC units, right? You're going to still keep every post with EEAT in mind, but you're going to have keyword focus. And it's going to be content that is of high quality. You're going to write it well. There's going to be supporting points in there, and you're going to really write it well so that your high school English grammar teacher is going to give you an A+, right? And your English teacher is going to take you out to beers, right? Because you're not in high school anymore. So anyway, and then user engagement, right? That also pays plays and, you know, um, how much are people actually reading the blog post? That's the key. Uh, Google Analytics is everywhere, right? Everybody's got Google Analytics. And we all know how long it takes for people to read a blog post, right? 60 seconds tops, maybe 90 seconds. I don't see people on websites longer than two minutes. I don't care who you are, right? Most websites that I look at, two minutes, 40 seconds tops, they're out. That means 
if one page that you wrote, they're spending 65 seconds on, that means they're reading that content. They find it useful, right? So anyway, keep that in mind. And then other factors that come into rankings is backlinks and domain authority and things like that. So, so yeah, does EA, does uh, keeping in line with EEAT help you get rankings? Yes. Does it guarantee you? No, because there's other factors involved, right? So keep that in mind um, as you're putting content out there that has that conforms to the EEAT uh, criteria. Basically, high-quality content that is relevant to your target audience, optimized content with lot backlinks and keyword focus and things like that. Uh, and then also promoting your content on social media. Maybe that's kind of where you get feedback. I don't know how much information some of these social net media networks are sharing with Google. Sometimes they won't even let you index. Some, some, sometimes, like Google can't index, you know, stuff that's behind passwords and a lot of social media networks are behind passwords. So I don't know how Google figures it out, but man, they figure it out. So anyway, uh, promoting your content on social media and other channels is also important. Keeping your content fresh. Obviously, everything that is published has a date stamp. And so they know when the content was updated. They know all that kind of stuff. So that's public information for them. Um, so... In terms of examples, I thought I'd try to find some examples. I couldn't really find ex I mean, it was just, honestly, some of this stuff is intuitive. So I didn't really look for specific examples, but, you know, news articles from reputable sources are usually fall under the EAT guidelines. So look at those to see how those are put together. Case studies from businesses, that's an opportunity for you to shine. You know, don't just write a fluff case studies piece. piece. Add a little bit of meat and bones to it and see if you can get it to, you know, be good on the EAT standard. White papers from industry organizations or on your own website, those are good pieces that meet that. Uh, and then video tutorials, those are also very good examples that you can look at. So these are just a few examples of content that has good EAT. Eat. They, they really goofed up on this. I think they could have given it a different name. I don't know, EAT. Seriously, man, just give it an acronym and then leap move. I don't know. So um, so anyway, how do I create content that is viewed favorably in the EAT guidelines? Well, I mean, I think I've covered it already. I think um, you kind of get the drift. Um, key is you got to be an expert in your field. You got to demonstrate your expertise, uh, having a deep understanding of the topic. Uh, backing up any claims you have with evidence, citing credible sources, you know, citations, you know, using Wikipedia, you know, journal articles, trade publications, linking to that, that can support the stuff that you're saying. Like if you're saying, you know, your AC coil should be replaced every two years, you know, if you link that to, you know, according to the American Association of blah, 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 this is what you got to do. And you link to it. Hey, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get some good, uh, brownie points there. And then if you're objective and biased, obviously that's a little hard to do if you've got a business. You're not going to be biased because you want to sell your product. But you can sound biased because, you know, you don't have to be the oil salesman, the snake oil salesman with the slick hair on your website. You could be positioned as somebody that is there to help your uh, customers solve a problem 
you know, that you're, you've got their, your customer's best interest in mind and things like that. So, um, so avoid using language that could be seen as subjective or promotional, you know, you know, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. So be up to date, you know, keep your site updated, keep things updated. Uh, if you're, you know, especially if you've got seasonal businesses or things like that, keeping things updated helps. Uh, clear and concise, uh, using language that is easy to understand. Avoid using jargon or technical terms. This one is a little bit on the, if you've got a technical audience and you're telling, selling te technical stuff, this doesn't apply. It's still got to be understandable, but if you're selling like, I don't know, nuclear fusion equipment, I don't know. I just came up with that. You're going to, you're not going to be able to explain that in fifth, you know, to like an eight year old or an eighth grade language or whatever that term is. Again, I told you early on, English is hard for me, but uh, be engaging, um, meaning writing in ways that keeps your audience interested, humor, storytelling, other techniques, interesting video, uh, being unique. Obviously, you know, you want to be unique like everybody else. That's a joke. <laughs> being unique like everybody else. But anyway, this means writing content that is different from what is already available online. Offer your insights, perspectives, you know, say something different, you know, be the purple cow, as uh, Seth Godin once said. Uh, it's a great book, by the way, Purple Cow. Be valuable. This means writing content that is worth your audience's time. People know if they can share it, things like that. Helpful. Um, anyway, so how do you take advantage of this uh, as a business owner, right? Uh, I think I've kind of covered this. You could probably, you know, deduce based on what I've already said. You got to focus on the quality of your content, content, high quality content, copy pasted content, chat GPT content, I think is a no, no. It can help you, but it can't be the final product you push out. Um, it can, um, using credible links to uh, back up your claims. Uh, establishing author expertise, uh, including your name, actually. That that's actually helps. Putting your name, title, uh, certifications, links to universities, uh, things like that. Uh, it helps you establish your expertise and builds trust with the audience. Uh, invest, personal, invest in personal branding. Uh, having a good brand for yourself, for your business, and also for yourself helps uh, as well. Uh, and then go through your website and cut out any um, content that is low on this on this criteria. Uh, remove it or edit it. You know, if you've got low quality content on your website, inaccurate, irrelevant kind of stuff, get rid of it. You know, improve it. Put some work into it. Make it better. It'll help your domain. It'll help your rankings and things like that. So something a little bit indirectly related, but definitely related as well. But Technical security of your website is also very important because the trustworthiness of the of the person coming to your website, you know, if your site's been hacked, if your SSL is out of date too often, uh, if, you know, you don't have CAPTCHAs and recaptchas and things like that, and you don't have a privacy policy and, and you're not really paying attention to that kind of stuff, uh, then Google's going to interpret your website as being technically not secure. And that could be a strike against you. Um, they don't want to send people to your site. You could have the best content, but if you've got problems on that side, it's going to be a problem. So, um, so yeah, pay attention to that as well. And also monitor some of the user-generated user content that is associated with your brand. 
So the reviews that are being published about your company, about you, keep an eye on that. See, see what's happening there. Moderate it. Get your feedback in there. Make sure you, you are involved in how your reputation is being perceived in the market. So that kind of wraps up what we wanted to talk about today. Obviously, I want to reiterate the fact that EEAT is not an algorithm or update or, you know, going to guarantee you rankings, but it is a principle used by Google to evaluate the quality of websites and content. Um, while there's no single recipe for success, following these tips can help improve your website's EEAT score over time. So obviously there's a score that they're keeping track of, right? So anyway, so in this episode, we covered what is EAT, EEAT, is EEAT going to guarantee rankings for your website? And how do you create content so it is viewed favorably in the EEAT criteria? And towards the end, we talked about how you as a business owner could take advantage of EEAT. So anyway, so that's a wrap. For this episode, we talked about something that is hard to pronounce and difficult to kind of keep track of as you're talking. So hopefully you're able to follow along. So with that, I say happy marketing and happy eating. If you're a small business owner, a marketer in a company, or an entrepreneur, this podcast is for you. You'll become better educated and informed when it comes to digital marketing. And if you implement the strategies, tactics, and tools I discuss in this podcast, your business will grow and prosper. To subscribe, go to corneryourmarketpodcast.com. That again is corneryourmarketpodcast.com. You can also search for Corner Your Market in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, and you can subscribe through those apps. Also, don't forget to like and share our individual episodes. You can also leave a review. Finally, I would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, feedback, or general comments about the topics I discuss, feel free to send me an email. I will be sure to share and discuss your feedback on the air if it will benefit our listening audience. You can write to me at connect at corneryourmarketpodcast.com. Just put listener comment in the subject line. That email again is connect at corneryourmarketpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to being back next week. Until then, be good and do good.